a solution to the problem of human pain, whether it be physical or whether it be moral, is to go right into it. Hey, Erin. Hey, Thanks Megan. for joining us. Me. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> inviting me on the podcast. Of course. Okay, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see. Okay, so I'm um, a Latinx comedian and writer and podcaster. There it is. She's Latin. Yes. I just, I and I'm saying that because, <laughs> so you, my sister is like blonde and blue eyes. Really? Yeah, we look nothing alike. But like you look more like my sister than I do. But like, wow. if anyone, you just don't look, like it's surprising that you're Latin. Yeah, yeah, I look, well, I'm half, you know, so my dad was okay. born in San Francisco and I look more like him. Got it. My brother looks more like my mom. Okay. Yeah, genetics are crazy. It's weird, right? Yeah. Like my, people would ask, or they would actually just assume my sister was adopted. Really? Yeah, because she looks absolutely nothing like anyone in my family. Really, not even your parents at all? Not, not my parents at all. Grandparents? She, she looks like my dad's mom. Okay. But yeah. if she didn't, then we'd be like, what the fuck? Yeah, I think I kind of look like my mom's mom. My mom's mm. mom was like super, super light. She had green eyes. Okay. So I think I kind of like genetically, I don't know how it all happened. I actually, I added my mom's maiden name to my last name. So I'm now oh. going as Aaron Darling Taralva because I think that like that says something yeah. about me. Like I'm mixed, you know? So like I want my mom's name and my dad's name in there. Yeah. You know, like I want to embrace it more and just be completely... Whatever I can do to like really to back that up, mm. I think I should be doing right now, especially Smart. with everything going on in the political climate. I'm just I know. Like, how can I stand by and just like, you know, and sure. not embrace like my mom's family and not embrace my mom's yeah. last name, you know? Yeah, I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah. I love that. I think I saw, did you change it on your Instagram? I did. Yeah. yeah. I've changed it on my Twitter. I've, um, it's my pen name now. It's just nice. like, I'm just taking it, mm -hmm. taking it full force. I would. I think that's great. Yeah. yeah, embrace it. How did you end up getting into entertainment? What did, like, how did all that happen? Well, I went to school out here for journalism, and I thought oh. I was going to be doing broadcast journalism. Wait, so did I. And really? do you know that I, I really, like, about 90% of the actors, whatever, entertainer, people in entertainment who I've talked to have said that they wanted to be a broadcast journalist. Really? Of some sort. And I did wow. too. I used to be want to be a news reporter. And then I realized like I didn't. Yep. Um, so I just, I'm fine. It's funny. Yeah, that's like exactly my path. I thought I wanted to do entertainment journalism and yeah. I did do that actually. Like okay. I had jobs out of school where that was kind of the track I was on. And then I realized that breaking news isn't really my passion, mm -hmm. but I love talking about current events. I love talking about politics. I love having, having opinions to mm -hmm. things. So then I kind of like, I shifted and I just kept shifting to like hosting opportunities to writing opportunities to comedy to video content and it just kind of all like evolved into something else that felt more natural to me mm -hmm. you know I guess I've just always like gravitated more toward like having a perspective than delivering the facts that's exactly how I felt I really yeah I interned at I went to college in St. Louis and I interned at a bunch of news stations there my like junior and senior year when I was like gonna be set on doing that and I just, it's, I kept doing it because it's almost like I had to convince myself I wanted to do that. Yeah, I think that news has changed a lot though with For the 24-hour sure. news cycle. And now it's kind of like there's a lot more possibilities to put perspective into things or to be maybe like a, a news figure, but the, who's also a talking head. Like I think that yes. the landscape has changed so much probably since when 
we were yeah. seriously considering going into that field. So now it's like something I would actually consider again. But at the time, I just remember wanting to make a hard left. Like, no, yeah. it's not for me. No, no, no. <laughs> That's such a good point, actually. It's true. Today is totally different, especially with, um, I don't know, I've been reading Gary V's. So Aaron told me yeah. to, Aaron told me to, to get Eric. Um, I love Gary V. Like, yeah, me too. He's awesome. <laughs> Gary, Gary, come on the show. Um, <laughs> but I love him. And when she was like, you should, she posted it on her Instagram about his new book, Crushing It. And I was like, oh shit, I'm going to read that. And I've been reading it and it's just all about how media is changing and there's yeah. a million different possibilities and everyone can create their own personal brand. So I feel like with news, you could do that. Now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Are you liking the book so far? It's amazing. Yeah. I wanted to tell you, I was waiting to tell you today. I was like, thank you. I'm Because I wanted to read it. And then when I saw that, I was like, all right, I'm just going to read it. Um, I've been listening to the audiobook, And it's it's like exactly what I've been needing to hear right now. Right. I feel the exact same way. I've been listening to this book and thinking, oh my gosh, like he's, everything he's saying is completely right. Like yes. now is like an easier time more than ever, more opportunities to go in and really like focus on your brand and your craft and use the internet to leverage those opportunities and create them for yourself, which is super inspiring because so many times like we wait for someone else to help mm -hmm. us. Like we wait for an agent, we wait for a manager, we wait for a casting director yep. or someone to discover us when all we need is our eyes phones which literally is amazing it's crazy <laughs> yes that's, it's so and that's why I started creating content like about I don't know six years ago because I was just getting so anxious and frustrated with feeling like I had to wait on an audition or and I felt like I had zero control or you know at all in the matter so it's awesome yeah yeah and it was validating too yeah Right? I was like, oh, cool. I'm doing stuff that like he, it's in line with that. Yeah. yeah. I love your content, by the way. You oh, crack thank me you. up. I love yeah. yours. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> Yay. It's funny. I only met you. I met Aaron <laughs> one time in a very, very bizarre situation. I know. Are we, we going to talk about yeah, it? Yeah, well, we okay. can. <laughs> <laughs> I met Aaron at like this guy. <laughs> I don't even know. You can tell it. Okay, so <laughs> we met at a dinner because we were booked on a show out of town, yes. a comedy show, to do this performance in a different city, and the booker came down, and we all met at this dinner, everyone that was booked, and it was it was a really nice dinner. Yeah. It must have been very expensive. Super. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, very generous individual, and then all of a sudden, maybe like a month or a couple weeks before the show, then it just gets canceled, or there's a problem with the venue, and then we never hear from this guy ever again and he deleted um he was on facebook he deleted his facebook really he was on instagram deleted his instagram what and i tried to google him by the name that he had uh-huh nothing like i went hard remember i dm'd you yeah and i was you like dm'd me <laughs> I, I was like this is driving me insane because he was one of those people who you know those followers who interacts they, with you a they lot. message you like he would message me like almost every day like yeah. he really was like you know and he was nice at first i was like is he creepy but like you know, he was still nice. Like, right. I think he meant well. Um, but it was just so, I still, it weirds me out. I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Seriously. It's so weird. And then Paul said, a friend who isn't a comedian as well, who was booked on the same show, he said in the beginning he had a weird feeling about it. And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. And we got right. into like a little mini, like, not actual argument about it, but I was like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, no, I'm telling you. Yeah, I had a weird feeling about it too, but, but yeah. not like... 
Because honestly, I've had really weird things happen like that. Same. In stand-up, yeah, where it's like you don't know what to expect. Someone books you and they're like, oh, yeah, the show's in my garage and we're live streaming it. And you're like, this is so shady. But I'm paying for your flight. I'm paying for your hotel. And then you go and it's actually like a really cool experience. But that's the thing that we're talking about with the media landscape changing so much. Like there's people doing Twitch shows in their garage. Oh, yeah. Hiring stand-up comedians and they have the money and the ability to do it. And it's totally like legit or at least like in my experience. Wait, hold on. I needed to hear about this. Okay. So, okay. So tell, what what is this? They're doing so, it for Twitch? Yeah. So I had uh, someone reach out to me on social media saying, hey, I want to book you on this show. I think you'd be great for it. I have stand-up comedians that come up and it's his shows in Southern Oregon. Okay. And he's like, and people come up and normally um, if they're doing shows like in comedy clubs, like they'll stop by and then, you know, I have this audience and, and they tip you and you do a little bit of stand-up and we hang out, play video games or whatever. And I can pay you like this much, but I'll also give you what the audience tips. And, you know, like it's, it weirded me out because I was like, it's in this person's garage. I don't know this person yeah. personally. Like, I don't know. But like, I decided to like go for it because mm-hmm. I was going to be in Southern Oregon anyway for something oh. else. So I was like, okay, well, why don't I? Like, if I have a hotel room, you know right. what I mean? I'm not staying with this person. So I'm sure that this, you know, if it's weird, I will just like leave right. immediately. And, Bring you know, some mace. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was kind of like, all right, let's see what happens. Um, but it ended up being a great experience. I ended up doing the show multiple times and like everything was totally fine. Everything was like, it was a good experience. That's awesome. And it was just because this guy has like a really strong Twitch audience that he just, you know, he streams every night and he brings people in and they get paid. And oh, and I also had another comedian friend who had done it. Oh, and so they okay. vouched for the whole experience. Okay, I said that it was yeah. good and that the audience would probably like really like me. And, and they did. So it was a really cool thing that ended up being legit although it seemed weird so when someone like that approaches you and says hey i wanted you to do an out of of town show here are the other comics that are doing it and they're comics that you know you know so you're kind of like well all right like i've worked with paul before i love him and like you know and and you seem cool yeah and everyone else just i was like okay i've heard of them we're all doing this so okay sure why not same that's what i thought right like okay um yeah that's i mean because i've had weird shit like that too not not a twitch thing which is also, like, kind of smart, by the way. Yeah. I didn't know. So smart. Well, because people, I don't know if people say this to you. People keep saying, like, oh, are you on Twitch? Mm-hmm. Or they ask me. And I'm like, no, because I've downloaded about a handful of times. And every time I'm like, but I'm not a video gamer. Right. Or a gamer, I guess. Me so. too. I'm not really a gamer either. But it's changing and it's becoming more entertainment oriented. Okay. You know, so it it's is. like it's a live streaming platform. But, I mean, there are so many things. Like, you could stream on YouTube. You could stream on Facebook Live. That's you true. could stream pretty much anywhere and you can stream on Instagram and yeah. we could be busy all day long doing all of these things, you know, but I crazy? think, yeah, but I think the reality is like double down on the thing that you like and the thing that you're good at, you know, just go hard on Instagram if that's like what you really like doing, yeah. and, you know, dabble in the other things, but I don't understand this whole like, you know, get on Twitch. It's like, dude, do you realize I'm doing like 16 things <laughs> every day? <laughs> so you moved out here and you got into entertainment. You got into, have you, how long have you done stand up for? I've done stand up, I think, for eight years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Which is so crazy. That's amazing. Yeah. And you, so you primarily, what are the main things you do? You do stand up, you have a podcast, mm-hmm. and you, and you also, you're an actor too, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, I guess I do all those things, and I yeah. write. And she's I, a writer. Uh, yeah, I write my own material. I'll do punch-ups for other oh, nice. people's scripts or for studios and things like that. So, And I do voiceover, so I guess I kind of... Oh. Yeah, it's a lot. It really is a lot of stuff. <laughs> I love hearing that, though, because I yeah. do a lot of stuff, too, and there are... I've heard this a lot. You know, you really need to stick to one or two things. Um, mm -hmm. And I don't know if you've heard that as well. Yeah, but I get frustrated because yeah. I'm like, one, my brain doesn't work like that. And two, I do better when I'm working on multiple things than just one. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I've tried both. I've tried to schedule out my day where I'm doing like five things at once mm -hmm. or I've tried to just be like, okay, I'm going to focus in on this one project and just really go in. And what I found works for me is if I'm in a creative development phase of mm -hmm. a project, focusing a lot of that or the majority of my time on that tends to be really, really helpful for me. And then when I go into the business phase of that, yep. then I can multitask. Genius. Yeah, That's it's smart. Been really, really helpful when I start looking at things like that. You know, like when you're pitching a TV project, but you already wrote it or for did the sure. treatment or whatever, did, like developed it. Then like when you're taking meetings and stuff like that, then you're like working on like the development of your sketches that you're going right. to film that week or right. whatever. No, it's true. Because if you're trying to be, it's, you know, there's like a mental switch when you're moving from project to project. Mm -hmm. So if you're writing like five scripts at one time, it can get confusing. I know people that do that. They're like, I'm writing two features. I'm like, how are you writing two features? And I kind of, like, well, when I get stuck on one, I move to the other. I kind of do that. I'm yeah. working on literally four pilots right now. Oh my God, girl. But, but, <laughs> but, cause, and like, that's not, that's not necessarily the best way to do it. It's just like how I automatically end up doing things. But it does, there's something to be said about what you, what you said is that like when you are developing them though, um, I think what I do is I, I will plan them out and have like, you know, the outlines and really know what it's going to be about. Um, and then I'll move on to doing others. Mm -hmm. But just in the beginning when you're trying to think of stuff and you're creating it like from nothing, it's hard to do that on five different things. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's the hardest part of the creative process, I think. For sure. So you you basically, you don't have a nine to five, right? You, you mm -hmm. are a full-time creator. I'm a full-time creator and I have like a bunch of side hustles. Okay, <laughs> nice. I mean, same. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, what's your, okay, if you ever get stuck or you get discouraged or, you know, because this industry is like, it's a lot of ups and downs, what do you do? Is there anything you would say that you do that keeps you like grounded or motivated, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, gosh, there's a lot of stuff that I do. Um, but I think what makes me feel like I'm crushing it is when Ooh. I'm, uh, I like <laughs> yeah, that, right? Yeah. Is kind of like when I finish something, if that okay. makes sense. So like to see myself do something I'm in control of, mm -hmm. right? Like whether it's, you know, finishing a script or uh, sticking to a really hard workout, but doing the whole thing and not like giving up halfway through or mm -hmm. whatever, Wh it, whatever it is. Like it can be something big, something small, something artistic, but just something I'm in control of and finishing it, that's when I start to feel like confident again, you Ooh. know? Like, oh, okay, well I did this. Or, you know, like planning event. Like I planned that that yeah. um, Jeff Garland screening with Netflix. And Which was were, amazing, by the way. Yeah, and they were awesome and nice enough to let us screen that for comedians before it came out. So that was really cool. But like planning an event can be very stressful, but it's rewarding when it's done. And you're like, oh, okay, it worked out. We did it. Like there were no glitches. People came. Like that's all good. Yeah. Stuff like that can be, I think, super 
helpful for like mental health because like you said you have like 10 things in the air never knowing what's going on oftentimes feeling out of control I think is really bad for like my mental sanity so whatever I can do to feel in control helps a lot yes yeah because then you could check it off your list and you're like I completed something like it's accomplished it's done it's done Yeah. yeah that event by the way was really great um I love Jeff Garland I love him too. He's so, and I, I've watched Curb since it like came out. Like I've just, and I've watched every season like 15 times. I love it. <laughs> but um, it was so cool to see. Jeff Garland is, if you don't know who he is, he's on Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's really great. Um, he's a really funny comedian and his special was hilarious. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's awesome. He um he did my podcast, nice. Hot Pizza Ass, which was great. And I feature for him doing stand-up sometimes. Oh, cool. And okay. Yeah, so he's just been really, really supportive and awesome, especially like with the launch of my podcast. That was something that I was very um, – I don't know. I wasn't nervous about it, but I was kind of nervous about – like the reception. I get it. I feel the right. same way with this. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, so hot pizza ass is me talking about things I'm really insecure about. And I'm oh. interviewing guests and they're talking about their journey of self-love. But like my journey of self-love is heavily wrapped up in my body image and, you know, how I feel like I, I look you know, like body dysmorphia. I've had eating disorders. So me coming clean and talking about my experience with things like that, I mean, I've never done that before. I've never talked about that kind of stuff on stage. Like I'm just very, it's me being super honest. I love that. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, oh God, like am I, and also like, am I the right person to like wave this flag? You know, like me being me, are people going to take me seriously? I'm a comedian and I'm talking about like very, that's what I think is things, but yeah, especially with like open-ended projects, they can be really, really difficult. Um, like podcasts and things like that, because like you're continuing to do it, Mm -hmm. you know, like I had, um, my therapist was like, do you want to see an eating disorder specialist? I have one that's really great that I can refer you to. And I was kind of like thinking like, man, I'm already having, I have this ongoing podcast where I'm talking about it. You know, I'm all for therapy, but like, do I specifically like want to, you know, delve into that, you know, and there's even fear in that too. Kind of like, okay, that's going to be another open-ended thing that I'm doing, right? If I start seeing this specialist and who knows I'm going to uncover, is that going to affect like my art and what I'm talking about? Mm. And like, how is it going to affect that? You know, it's just kind of No, like, it's scary. You're, <laughs> yeah. You feel you're like, because you hear, there's so many people on social media, which has been a good thing, but they do talk about mental health and they, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people who have been really open and candid about it. But when it's coming from you, all of a sudden, in my mind, I was like, oh, that's no big deal. But then when I was starting to do this, I got really nervous. So in terms of mental health, which is like, that's why I, I named this therapy for the right brain because I've noticed, one, I am a creative and I, you know, I've struggled with mental health issues and I think creatives are more sensitive and like open about things. Mm-hmm. And I've just noticed similar tron- trends amongst amongst creatives. Um, and it, it is interesting to see like the people who have come on here talk about mental health because everyone does struggle with similar stuff and it's really validating. Yes. Yeah, totally. And I've, I've had that same experience by talking to people on, on my show as well. It's like, I think that there's something powerful about being open Mm -hmm. about mental health or whatever your issues are that you're struggling with, the things that make you feel vulnerable because 
a lot of people, whether or not you feel it or realize it, mm -hmm. look up to you. And they see you as being really brave and putting yourself out there and, you know, performing. A lot of people don't have the courage to do that. Yeah. And they see you with your platform doing the things that you do. And they assume that, you know, we're all like impervious or that we're so confident. And the truth is like, it's no, like this all, this yeah. grounds all of us. Yeah. You know? It's, oh my God, I love that. I love how you said that. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's true because who was just saying, I'm, as I've gotten older, I realized I was like, I'm a little bit of an introvert. And mm -hmm. I didn't really, I mean, I can put on the like extrovert, whatever, and mingle and whatever. But a lot of times you do, I sometimes I'm like, I just want to stay home and like not talk to anyone and be by myself and whatever. But then when I look at even my friends who are entertainers, I'm like, they probably don't think that or they don't feel that way. Like they're always out and about. And like even looking at other creatives, um, I, I can feel that way too. Yeah. So it's interesting. You, you forget that people are looking at your shit. No, yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. I read something once that I thought was really interesting about being an introvert versus being an extrovert. And it was like, if you're an introvert, the way that you recharge yep. is like in solitude and being extrovert is, you know, you recharge by going to a party or having some experience where you're like, oh, I feel yep. like, you know, I'm doing something and I'm more introverted. Oh, you than, are? Yeah. Okay. Because I'm like, when I need to relax or, you know, get amped up for something, I don't want to do it in public. I just want to like go to the Korean spa. Yes. <laughs> so you said your podcast is about, you know, mental health and self-love. What do you do to practice self-love? And is there anything that you have, yeah, you've like learned over the years that, you know, helps you or hurts you, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah. I mean, I think that social media is really, really unhealthy. Yep. I think, <laughs> you know, like we have to use it. And we, and we like to use it, but I think that there's a way to use it where it's creating a positive environment yes. for your mind rather than a negative one. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've had to edit a lot. So I am really careful who I follow. If there are people I feel competitive with or, or, you know, if someone makes me feel like strange or a certain for type sure. of way. I just unfollow them and I'm a big believer in that, like unfollowing. I block people that have negative comments or even if it's just like about my body, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Oh yeah, Delete for sure. and block all the time. I'm like kind of ruthless with social media. That's good. And I don't view it as anything negative. I think that it's actually positive because I'm creating boundaries. So like I think like really what I'm doing is – yeah, I'm just, I'm creating a boundary for the space that I want because even though we are public people and public figures and, you know, on the internet putting our stuff out there, that doesn't mean that I want everyone to have access to me and it doesn't mean that I want to see everyone's stuff. Of course. Well, have you gone to therapy for a while? I've gone to therapy off and on. Okay. I've been to uh, couples therapy. I continued seeing my couples therapist after I went through a breakup. When I did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that was awesome and super helpful. And um, and I have another therapist that I'm working with um, who's incredible. And yeah, I really, really believe in it. Me too. I yeah. think. And that's what, you know, I say on here, I'm like, if you can't afford therapy because it can be expensive. Um Sliding scale, man. Also, I, th I don't know if people look or think of like AA or, you know what I mean? Groups like that. We that, had another that guest on here. group therapy where there's like Overeaters Anonymous. There's yep. like a bunch. There's codependent, you know, people the, that are addicted um, to love and relationships. Love and relationships, yep. Yeah, that is therapy. I've, I've been... I've been invited. Someone's like, why don't you just come? Because yeah. I always go through these periods where I'm like, I do I want to give up drinking? Like, Oh my God, me too. Yeah. I'm like, I drink. I don't have a problem. I drink casually, but like 
can I just make that leap and not do it? I'm the same. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like, should I just try not doing it for two months and yep. just see how I feel? Or should I just... And what I what I ultimately decided to do was I decided to just limit it to what I call like celebratory drinking. Okay. So if I'm like at my launch party for my podcast, I'll have right. a drink there, you know. If I'm at dinner and I'm having a great time, yeah. But I eliminated sad drinking, which has been helpful. So when I'm stressed, I used mm -hmm. to do that all the time. I'd be anxious about something and, then, and I'll yeah. be like, let's go to happy hour, which is just me being avoidant. No, I, I yeah. would do the same thing. For sure. Yeah. Or so, just get a bottle of wine and drink. Right. I'm like, what am I doing? Yeah. Exactly. Like I had a hard day at work and I'd be like drinking a glass of rosé and I'd be like, do I even want this? Yep. Yeah. Well, I love that. I've, yeah. I've had the same. I've, I've never been like, I wouldn't consider myself an alcoholic, but I mm -hmm. do the thing where once I start drinking, I always end up drinking too much. Maybe that is an alcoholic. <laughs> I used to do that a lot. Like in my early 20s, mm -hmm. I I was worried that I was an alcoholic yeah. because I was like, I don't know when to stop. I have no idea how to judge how much is too much. It feels like it's different every time. Yep. You know, sometimes I have three drinks and I'm like, okay, that's enough. And sometimes I'm like drinking more than that. Like what is going on? I don't feel it. Like mm -hmm. I, I think it's just like our bodies are still developing. I know. You know what I mean? I, no, I, I also take – you know, I'm like pretty candid about it, but I take anxiety medicine that, um, you know, I take it every day. It's not like a Xanax or whatever. I take it every day. And um, it also pretty much the doctor described it to me as like one drink is basically like two on that. Mm -hmm. yeah. So for me, and that's, I think that's why I get drunk so much easier than my friends or like my boyfriend, because even I'll have three drinks and I'm like trashed. Wow. Yeah. And yeah. like super hungover the next day. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. I would, I talked about that in my podcast because when I was in college, I had really, really bad eating habits. I was mm -hmm. bulimic and yeah. I would do weird stuff where like all day I would eat like one meal and drink crystal light. And then uh -huh. I would go like to the bars or pregame with my friends and drink like a ton of vodka. And it was just so crazy because I look back at that period of time in my life and I'm like, this just seems unhealthy. But like the reality is like, it, it just all depends, like the way that alcohol feels and hits you and mm -hmm. affects you, just like it depends on everything like you're saying, like yeah. what if you're on a medication, if you um, ate that day. Yeah, if you hadn't eaten a lot, right. you're going to get, yeah. Right. It's just kind of like getting to know your body, I think a lot of For it, sure. you know, and just being okay with like the learning process and not being too hard on yourself. Yeah. But even the fact that like you're asking these questions, you know, or that I'm asking these questions of myself is like, okay, we're, we're getting like a little better. Like, no, it's true. <laughs> it's, it's true. It's, <laughs> it's absolutely true. And I yeah. noticed too, in terms of creativity, when I am, if I do drink, like, like I need like two or three days. And then in terms of working and being creative, my brain isn't as like on, yeah, I um, had an experience recently where I had a couple of drinks. I Okay, I had back-to-back -back meetings. Okay. I had this one meeting at 4 p.m., and I thought it was just like a coffee meeting. Okay. But then the guy's like, he orders a vodka soda or something, and I'm just like, oh, and he's like, you drink, right? And I was like, yeah. So then I order one, too. And then after that, I had an actual drinks meeting at 7 p.m. with like a screenwriter. Okay. So And I knew I was going to be drinking there, right? But like the whole day, just like, you know, I ended up going back to back yeah like, I was home for like one second to feed my dog they had to go to the second thing and I think I had two drinks later on that night mm -hmm. and I was just like man like I'm <sighs> doing work I'm doing the things I'm supposed to be doing I'm going to these meetings and networking or whatever but like the next day I just felt like death and yeah. I was like how <laughs> yeah 
how what the to hell? Get shit done? Yeah. Yeah. Like I just need, <laughs> and I just wasn't anticipating that either. Cause I probably just had like three drinks. Right. No, it's, it's right. And in L in like, like en- <laughs> what, how, what's I, wrong oh, with me, me too. Like in entertainment too, you do have a lot of meetings with yeah. people and it, I've been in the same exact situation like countless times where they're like, they just order a drink and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I guess I'll just have a drink. And then, right. uh, and then I, and then I will have a meet cause it's happened to me when I've been with someone at like 3 PM. Yep. And then yep. I have, I'm like, but I have to do this, this and this. I have a screening uh-huh. and I'm like, I'm drunk. And <laughs> what am I doing? <laughs> no, totally. Yeah. Totally. I think I'm not like, I'm pretty good with boundaries in a lot of areas of my life, but like that's one boundary that I'm always not sure about. It's hard. Like the alcohol boundary. Yeah. <laughs> Meets the alcohol boundary. I like yep. that. It's hard <laughs> though in meeting. Like I've been, I've met agents before, managers or like screenwriters and oh my the, they're drinking and I'm like, I guess I'm going to drink. Cause I feel uncomfortable if I'm, I don't know. Right. Because like, cause you're not in alcoholic and not saying I think that that came out weird but you know what I mean it's like when you have a clear reason to not drink you're yes. like no 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 I'm in re- recovery like you have like this solid reason like it's a hard boundary yes but like it sounds like you and I have a flexible one there yes. where it's like okay well I'm trying to be responsible but if this p- person orders one and I don't like have a reason or I don't want to like explain it like I'll just have one too mm-hmm. you know for, and I'm the, like- <laughs> for sure it, absolutely yeah, yeah speaking of boundaries how do you, do you, is that something you're very aware of in all aspects of your life? And how do you navigate that within entertainment? I know that's a broad question. Yeah. You know what? I'm getting really good at it. Okay, good. I'm really good with my boundaries, but in certain areas, like, like the alcohol yeah. one, I'm just kind of like always trying to figure out like, what do I need to create like hard rules for myself? Like where, where do I stand in all of this? Yeah. You know? And so my boundary for that is like no sad drinking, no okay. stress drinking, no anxiety drinking, no mad drinking, no breakup drinking, drink it when you're happy. And like in with social media, yeah. I, I try to be really aware of that. Like nothing that makes me feel bad, nothing that makes me feel competitive and um, no ex-boyfriends, dude. Why? Why are people like, well, it's really petty when to unfollow them. It's like, no, it's not. It just means I have a boundary. I'm all, I, you are, when we're done, like you're blocked on my phone, (laughs) you're blocked on social media, you're blocked and you don't, I'm really ruthless with that though, with ex-boyfriends and I have to be. (laughs) Girl, I I did it with someone on Bumble I didn't even meet. Oh, yeah, they got mad at me for something. Yeah, they were like, we're trying to meet up and this person didn't contact me for a whole week, right? And he, we had loose planned to maybe meet on Friday, but he hadn't contacted me for five days. So I made other plans that night. Mm -hmm. And then when he follows up on Thursday and he's like, so are we still good for Friday? I said, oh, you know, actually like I ended up making other plans because I didn't hear from you. Just let me know if you want to reschedule. And then he got upset and was like, well, I don't understand. I'm following up now. Was I supposed to follow up multiple times? And I blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, hey, like, it's all good. I just made other plans. Like if you want to meet again, let me know. And then and he comes back at me with more. No. And it was just kind of like, I was like, look, I don't want to argue with you. And I really don't want to point fingers here. So, um, you know, also, good luck. Also, have you luck. met him? No. Yeah, no. This is about to be a first date. So then I blocked him. And I was like, okay, whatever. And it didn't seem like that big of a deal. But then he found me on Instagram. Oh, my God. And then he reached out. <laughs> Who is this? <laughs> he apologized, though. He oh, was he like, did. hey, I know that that might have se- like seemed really aggressive. I'm kind of sorry about that. He's like, I just want to let you know. Like, like, I just didn't want to end like that. So, okay. you know, and he didn't ask me out again, which I'm like, that's okay. good. Because we're probably really not compatible. Yeah. Um, because that was a kind of a weird reason to get mad at someone, I thought. Oh, yeah. Super bizarre. But yeah, I block people I've never even met before. Like, how do you balance um, 
I don't even know if there's a balance that you need to have. But with dating, do you find it hard because you are in entertainment? Is there any type of like relation between the two or no? Yeah, I do think that it's hard. I think, okay, so what's hard about, uh, I think, me. Dating me can be difficult for the person that wants to date me because my schedule is so weird. Yeah. It's hard for me to make plans certain times. And also when I'm busy, I'm really busy. Yeah. And I mean like I'm busy from day to night. Yeah. You know, and so, and that's kind of been my schedule a lot lately. And, and then also sometimes I'll do this thing where I'll make time to like get, get dinner with someone. But then right after that, I have to go yep. to a venue to see something or I have to go to a show or I have to stop by, like, you know, pick something up or whatever. Like it almost never ends, you yeah. know, like the day feels like it never ends. So I can be a very difficult person to see and I have a lot of empathy actually for the dudes that want to hang out with me because I know I can be difficult so it takes like a certain type of person yeah you know to like really to be understanding and to be cool with like with how weird my life can be no it's yeah. it's, un it's having unpredictable schedules because it's like yeah it's not the it's not the nine to five you you know and then you're off work and you can do whatever yeah and then my friends and we'll my boyfriend has a nine to five, but he's also a cinematographer, which he does on the weekend. So he's actually never free. But, um, <laughs> you know, like he'll, I guess his, it's more of his friends and my friends who do have a nine to five. They like, I know every Friday and Saturday they'll be doing something. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like they'll be going to dinner and then they'll go out. And I feel like I even forget I have a weekend because yeah. I'm always doing stuff. Me too. And I also don't like going out on weekends. I don't because, either. yeah, it's busy. It's a scene. Yeah, it's a scene. Yeah, it's I would a scene. just so much rather like hang out with someone on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, which is also difficult for a lot of people that have nine to fives. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, and, and then, okay, so my other weird pattern that I also do that makes uh, dating difficult for me is that I really like creatives. I'm very mm. attracted to creatives, you okay. know, and those are the people who I meet. And... The creatives aren't necessarily like good for me to date. <laughs> Think I love this. <laughs> no, no, no. I've had the same exact issue. Yeah, it's hard. And a lot of fe a lot of actually female creatives, at my, my friends have said that to me. Yeah, I haven't heard it as much from guys about dating a creative. Uh -huh. Maybe because I don't ask as much. But um, why? Why is that? I'm curious. Well, in my perspective, it's it's difficult when both parties are kind of like you know, all over the place, yes. whether it's like energetically, whether they're traveling a lot for work or, you know, if they're a road comic, yeah. if they're on, you know, a project like my last relationship just dive bombed because I was dating someone and then now they're in Atlanta, like working on stuff for a long period of time. Yeah. So it's just kind of like when you're dealing with all of that, like stability is probably like really good and really healthy to like especially in the beginning stages oh, yeah. of getting to know someone, building trust. Like you have all these things you have to kind of like figure out whether or not you're long-term compatible, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so hard to do when both people are like this. Oh, yeah. You know, one person can be like this and then the other person's got to be like smooth sailing. Yep. And I've just now gotten to the point where I'm realizing, okay, so like this is a pattern of mine. You know, I should probably try to get on apps or something and date people with more stable jobs or, you know, maybe in a different industry. And I've like actually been doing that and I'm super proud of myself. Oh my God, for yay. like experimenting in that way. How's it's it going? so weird. It's like someone else like experiment no. is like, let's date a guy in a band. And my no. experiment is like, let's date like a banker. A doctor. Yeah. Yes. Dude, I went through the <laughs> same exact before. I feel like I keep saying my boyfriend, my boyfriend, but I'm just saying it's because I, first of all, like the only stable relationship I've ever had. Second of all, like I had only dated creatives and it was a fucking disaster. 
faster for yes. the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the instability and like both kind of like, especially another actor, like we're both emotional and kind of yo-yos and then that was bad. And then before I met my boyfriend now, I did. I was like, I'm getting, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to only date, like I had like, <laughs> I was going out with like doctors and lawyers and like people in finance. Yeah. Um, have you, go- so how is it going? It's going good. Oh, good. Yeah, it's going really well. Oh, good. Um, but again, like I just, I don't have faith in anything <laughs> uh, when it comes to like things outside of my control, like love life or no, whatever. No, I know? get it for sure. It's like, okay, here's the thing I've noticed about dating too and maybe like mental health mm-hmm. is that Please. because when it's outside of us, right, like there's another person that we can blame, it's hard for us to take responsibility for our um, oh, shit absolutely. in the situation, whether it's the person that we chose that's not good for us yep. or recognizing our own patterns because it's so easy to just blame it on that person. That ex is bad. That date was bad. That guy was crazy, whatever. Yep. And then what are we doing? Like how are we taking responsibility for our own actions? For sure. Right? Oh my God. That's see, I could eat that the ex. It's easy to say, oh, he was this and this. Right. But I also had been attracting like crazy narcissists for like, you know, 15 years. Like yeah. I just was. That's who I was drawn to. I would ignore red flags. Yep. Me um too. <laughs> over like literally that were in my fucking face, like screaming. <laughs> and I would just ignore them. And then yeah, so that's what happens. You end up in a relationship like that because you're ignoring all of those. And it, it it takes two to tango. Yeah. You know, like. Yeah. No, it totally <laughs> does. And I think like, you know, of course we all have like one or two of those relationships that tend to like really blindside us. Yeah. We're like, wait, what? What the hell? Like yeah. what happened there? Yes. But like after we learn from those experiences, like at a certain point, it's like take a little bit of responsibility for. For sure. For what's going on and, and you know, like try to make better decisions and you're still going to get hurt. They're still going to be assholes. There's yep. still going to be things that get in your way that are out of your control. But at least you can say, okay, well, I legitimately thought about this yes you know I looked at these red yeah. flags <laughs> I got rid of the people that were like clearly not right for me yeah you know like there's certain things you can do to kind of like try to make the experience a little oh. bit better do you have a certain um routine you do every day like are there yeah do you have like a no nope. okay I don't because all of my days are different yeah depending on what's happening I try to wake up around seven Okay, that's great. Yeah, I try to I try to get eight hours of sleep. Okay, if I can. Okay, and I used to be really good about like not getting on my phone in the morning and journaling, but some days for me that's just kind of not realistic. I know. I've been. That's funny. I'm yeah. doing. I've been struggling with the same thing. Yep. So that's hard for me too. But I do try to like make sure that I. I do stuff every day that is making me feel like I'm getting closer to my goal or making money. And I think that, you know, people always put this big emphasis on doing things like, you know, really crush it and do all this like creative stuff and blah, blah, blah. But like the reality is like if you're not taking care of financial stuff, you are going to be stressed. I love that you said that. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's a big part of mental health and entertainment because it is very easy to create and create and create Mm -hmm. and create. And I'm super guilty of this and be like, oh, wait, I'm broke. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it's that weird balance, you know, of like, you know, if I cannot be creative today, but I took some other job or whatever, Mm -hmm. and I'm working on that for the next week, then do that. A hundred percent. Because, um, oh, I've read, you should, I feel like you would like this. Have you read, if you haven't read it, this book called Big Magic. Oh my God, I love that book. Do you? Yes. I know, I figured you would. Okay. Yes. I love it. It's. I've read it 
four or five times. It's like underlined, highlighted. I love it. I read it anytime I'm feeling like shit. Yeah. Um, and a big thing that stuck out was that she said, it's the writer of Eat, Pray, Love, ironically. Elizabeth Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert, yeah. yep. And she, um, she said, she's like, even when I was super successful, I still never gave up my day job. My day job. And she was a waitress. And even when Eat, Pray, Love was, she said, you know, she was making a ton, ton of money. She still had that as an option to go back to because – and I love the way she describes creativity in it and mm-hmm. that like, you know, we're basically vessels and there's ideas floating around, but you can't be open to receiving things if you're stressed out right. and, and you're stressed about paying your rent or, you know, buying food. It's hard to be creative. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love that part of the book too. It actually really changed the way that I thought about it's stuff. Literally same. I just yeah. got chill. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Because I would go through these really long stretches that would super stress me out where yep. I'd be like focusing on this or I'm doing this, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't have income. Yep. And so, and I would just kind of like go from job to job, yep. taking little freelance things and barely scraping together a living. Yeah. And then something happens like your laptop breaks mm-hmm. and then you're like, I don't have $800. Yep. Do you, when you have a side gig, you said you'll write and stuff. And then do you, like, how do you look for work? How do I look for it? Or Um, like, how do you find the jobs you do? Honestly, like. If you don't mind talking about it. I, I've been lucky enough where opportunities recently have been just like coming to me. That's awesome. Like I do social media for a small record label and that opportunity kind of like came to me. And then like I'll sometimes do graphic design for people because like through that, like some of these artists, you know, they want to create like a for your consideration, like graphic or campaign or something. So then I'll make graphics for them Mm -hmm. or, you know, things like that, that like kind of have been coming my way. Yeah have been really nice. And then, you know, I'll do like sometimes like a, a freelance, like I'll do an event or private event, like yeah. bartending type of thing. Yeah. Or, you know, like I have friends that own companies that do that. And then they'll just be like, hey, do you want to work this thing? And For I'll sure. be like, yeah, sure. So just kind of like, I think figuring out, like identifying like what your random freelance side hustles, what you want them to be, just putting it out there. Or like learning a skill, you yep. know, like whatever it is, graphic design, creating content or learning how to bartend, whatever it is, having some sort of skill that you can kind of always do. And you don't always have to do it like hardcore. No, you don't need to be like, cause I do graphic design too. You don't yeah. need to be, I'm a graphic designer now. Right. You just say, I also do graphic design. Yeah. Yeah. You just like have to have like a way, like sure. create the avenues, so like the money can come in. I love that you're saying all this. I'm actually adding this to the questions I ask people. Oh, you are? Good. Yeah. No, no I love this. this. good. Because I, I want to hear how other people make money too. No, I, I love it. I ask so many people all the time because even some of my friends are weird about it. I'm like, just tell me what you're, I'm not going to steal your money. Like, I'm like, I just want to know. Yeah. But like, I do the same. The thing you said about getting a skill is so, because you think when I came when I moved to LA, I was like, all right, well, acting is my skill. Writing right. is my skill. Yep. That's you know, what I said too I'm like, for st- years. Stand up is my skill. Right, Megan. But those aren't going to pay you right away, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, or it's not, and it's not steady. Even and it's if not it steady. It does pay you, yep. you know? So then, and I wish more people told that to, I guess, any type of creative having a skill. Like, right. I, I just taught myself graphic design and then I taught myself how to edit. And just if mm-hmm. somebody told 
me that like when I first moved to LA, it would have saved me like four years of freaking out. Me too. Yeah. I wish I was like more able to embrace this kind of stuff too. I wish that I learned how to bartend like yeah. at age 21, me you too. know, but like I didn't, I had like shame about it. I was just kind of like, no, I'm a, I'm a creative and I'm doing this. But I wish that back then I'd just been like, no, but you also need money, Aaron. Yeah. That's, oh my God. <laughs> I love this. Out. I love that you're saying that. That's so validating. <laughs> yeah. I wish I knew how to bartend still because I don't know how. Oh my god. And I've had a couple friends where I'm like, well, can I just work at your bar? And they're like, yeah, but do you know how to do anything? Man, it is so competitive. I know. Like, I've, I've, been, I've been doing this for like a year, just a year. But oh, wow. in January, I was like, I want to learn how to bartend. Yeah. I want that skill. I could do it anywhere. I could pick it up anytime. I, and I don't mind working at night. Like, I want to figure out how to do this. Right. And so I did, you know, like I had some people train me and cool. I got some connections and was able to do some random, like, things to kind of build up my resume that mm -hmm. was non-existent prior to that. But even now, like it's so hard. It's so hard. Like people don't want to hire people that aren't like 15 year career bartenders. I know. That's what I realized. And I got really discouraged. Yeah. That's kind of when I started doing more editing, graphic design. Okay. My last question is, I think I said last question four questions ago, but <laughs> what would, what's been like the hardest lesson of your career? And if you had to give anyone advice who does want to pursue a career in entertainment, what would it be? That's two questions. <laughs> okay. Well, I would say I think one of the hardest lessons I've had to learn is that hard work doesn't necessarily always pay off. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I but, mean, I don't like it, but yeah. Yeah. But, um, but you know what? Like consistent work does. So you can grind your ass off and really go nuts for, you know, whatever period of time you can do that. You can wake up at 5 a.m. and write all day long or bust your ass doing shit all the time, but it's really not sustainable. You run the risk of burning out and you run the risk of not being inspired by the things that originally came to you where you're like, yeah, I want to do this. Yep. But if you set aside time every single day and you dedicate that time that you do have, whether it's two hours or three hours or more than that, you know, mm -hmm. if you're lucky and you really focus in and you stay inspired and you're connected to why you want to do it, that pays off. Oh my God. I love everything you just said. Yeah. Not being hard on yourself. Not being hard on yourself. Yeah. Not being hard on yourself because everyone has their own path. They make it different ways. And yep. And if you're doing something different or you're just inclined to focus in like a slightly different area than the majority of your peer group, you mm -hmm. know, like everyone's doing stand up, but I want to create content. Yep. Then create the content if that's what's coming to you. For, that's, absolutely. Right. That's where yep. the inspiration's flowing. Like, and don't feel guilt about the stand up. That's, that's been a thing I've experienced before because there have been times where I just, I just wanted to take a break from stand up, but I would beat myself up over it. But mm -hmm. I was like, no, I, that's just how I feel right Me now. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Have yep. you taken breaks from stand up? Yep. I've oh, wow. I took a year off. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I have too. I didn't know you did. Yep. Mm hmm. And yeah. I think it's really important to like be honest with yourself. Like, for sure. I, I went through a period of time where every time I got off stage, I felt bad. Okay. This literally, I, wow. I love that you're this. I just started doing it again after about eight months off because wow. of that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and I just decided, like, you know what? I'm just going to forgive myself of this duty. Yeah, because then you feel pressure and it makes it worse because you're right. like, I should be doing this. I should be doing That's what I kept saying. Mm -hmm. And then when I would go to do it, I'm like, I hate this. What yep. am I doing? Exactly. 
Why did you feel bad? You just felt like you just didn't feel good about yourself? Um, I think it was a combination of me not connecting to the material I was doing anymore yep. and knowing that I needed to throw it all away and start over again, but also having fear about doing that because then I had no material and I'm not relying on the things that get jokes. So every time I would go up, I would just kind of have this weird dilemma of like, well, what do I do? Do I just try mm -hmm. to like throw all that away and start over again and then go through this experience of bombing and like, am I strong enough to bomb every night? Like, am I, is my self-confidence going to be affected? by this and it was so I decided I was going to take a break from stand-up until I could get up on the stage and not give a shit and just say whatever I wanted and be empowered by that and be okay with bombing Fuck so yeah. I knew I needed to take that break and I did I took it for a year and when I came back, it was because I got an opportunity. I kind of like mm. had, you know, this opportunity to get more stage time and, and to go on the road. So I thought that opportunity was worth it you know, to go through all of that over again, you know, to, yes. to get up on stage, to not give a shit, but also to know that I had support, to know I had people that believed in me that were giving me these opportunities mm -hmm. and to feel like after I took a break, I was just like, okay, that, some of that guilt is gone yeah, and I'm ready to, to bomb again courageously and we'll just see how this goes. Yep. Yeah. And it was really, really awesome because I was able to throw away all that old material. Oh my God. I love that. Yeah. It's stressful. I, it was the same exact thing for me. I was yeah. like, I don't relate to any of this. I feel like this is stuff that I did relate to when I was 25 and I'm 30 and like I, it had evolved, but it was still just like this other persona that I was like, this doesn't really represent me anymore. Yeah. Um, and I have been starting over and it's scary because you're mm -hmm. like, I've been going to open mics with literally purposely with nothing to talk about and I'll just go up and whatever comes out. And then I've been forming jokes around that. I don't know if that's the best way to do it. But um, it's super scary because before that, I did the same thing. I bombed really badly mm -hmm. from my old material. And I got off stage. And it was when I had first started dating my boyfriend. He was in the front row. Oh, no. And I was just like, fuck. And I just went home and cried, which I never did over stand-up. I usually have had the, like, I don't really care attitude. And I was like, okay, I'm going to take a little bit of a break. And I, and I, you, you feel way better when you come back into it. Yeah, totally. And it's supposed to be about having fun. And that. Yeah. Because, at, yeah. you know, when you're doing open mics, when you're starting or when you're just like doing no, no new material, if you're not like a touring comic, most of the time you're doing it for free. Yeah. So it should be fun. It should be a hobby. It should be like a game. Yep. And if it's not, then why? It's, it wasn't worth it. And yeah. it was making me feel <laughs> shitty over in other areas. I'm like, why am I like yelling at myself? Feeling like <laughs> shit to go to an open mic in front of like five people. This is ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Okay. One piece of advice for anyone that's starting out. Yeah. Or yeah. wants to get in entertainment. Well, I think I would just say like my one piece of advice would be to do the things that you feel are fulfilling to you. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Let go of the rest and just do the things that are like really lighting you on fire because you're going to be doing it for a long time. Mm. And, you know, stand up, it takes like eight years to get good, you know, yeah. Yeah. writing, it takes like three scripts to get good, whatever, like acting, you're going to look at your first acting reel that you make that you pay for. And you're going to be like, well, what the hell was that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> two years later. So like, just make sure you love it because What's, what's the point of going through like seven years of bullshit for something that you don't really love? It's a lot of persistence. So yeah. you got to have a lot of persistence. So yes. Like, yes. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Erin. Thanks for it's having been awesome. me on the yeah, show. Yeah, of course. So if anyone wants to contact you, I'm going to put all her social media down below. Reach out to her. She also has an awesome podcast. So check that out. I'll put a link. And thank you. Thank you so much. See you guys soon.